1: Good morning everyone and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biase and along with our producer Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to the show this morning. Hey Alex, good morning, how are you? I'm keeping well, thank you. Missed you last week? Yes, although I'm sure Daniel did a wonderful job. He did a great job. Yes. He did a great job. The music selection was on point again. It was great. As this week is, I'm sure. I'm sure. He's picked it again. He's picked it again. That's Daniel for everyone out there. He yep. sits beside Alex in the booth. <laughs> Keeps me in line. Keeps you in line and you keep both keep me in line. So everything's going okay with the Spanish station? Yeah, things are moving along well. We're developing even more programming than we last spoke about it. And I'm going to be meeting some of the new hosts um, within the next week or so. Great. Great to see things are moving along. Yes. Our show today is live. Our number is 416-245-1534. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Our handle is at the Health Hub RMC. And feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca with questions, concerns, topics for shows. And if uh, you are someone who thinks you would be a good fit for our show to spread some of your uh, great knowledge, please do contact us as well. And please subscribe to our podcast called The Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud. And all your favorite podcast platforms, you can find our podcasts on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is www.radiomaria.ca. And on my website, kathybiase.com. Um, it, takes, it actually is not even taking a week uh, lately to get these shows flipped over into podcast form. So the last couple of shows have been just chock full of information. So Dan, you made a point on one of them that you have to listen to it a couple of times to get all the information down. But uh, they're all ready for you. And um, do take a listen. Uh, Our show last week, in fact, The Opioid Crisis with Dr. Lloyd Setterer is up. Uh, That was a great one. And uh, actually, I got home after that show last week, and maybe I just wasn't paying attention before but i saw actually a commercial on tv um the uh, talking about um the crisis in canada it was a government commercial so it is uh prevalent the opioid crisis both uh north and uh south of the border and and us as well so a great podcast to listen to for some more information on that uh that topic so I'm going to try and keep things real here as we try to do on the health hub. And I'm going to talk to you about, um, a bit of an aggravating issue. I figure I was dealing with it. I might as well share with you because I'm, I'm sure that every once in a while people get these issues. It's i I've got a, a blip in my o- lower eyelid and, um, really wasn't bothering me till a couple of days ago when it turned into a full blown sty, And, um, I truly today fit that, uh, the modicum of uh, a face for radio, because it's just, <laughs> it's really aggravating, it's itchy, it's red. But anyways, I thought, well, while I was going through it, a good topic for you to to learn some natural remedies um, for, uh, for taking care of styes. And it actually has worked. So it's... Um, it's not a very attractive thing to have and 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 I've got the great good fortune of having to go down to a dinner tonight too. So it's all just stacking up in my favor here. So I will uh, I, I will tell you what I have been doing and it has made a difference. It's uh, the the swelling is sort of concentrating now as opposed to be taking over my I must say before you before you go on. It's not that bad uh, honestly, okay. listeners. It, it's it's not as bad, but I'm not I'm not saying it's not comfortable, but that's what uh, Kathy here is going to provide us with some tips S- some, well, at this point. It just I can I can see it or I can feel it, right? You know, every time I look, it's there, and uh, it's just been really aggravating. So a couple of days ago, I started um, having at it, and I, I don't like. Well, plus the fact I can't get in to see my doctor. It's just so it's just hard to get an appointment with him. And by the time I got in, it might be. Taken over my right side of my face so I've been trying to uh, do some natural things so what I started with was aloe and I don't uh, I don't actually have a green thumb but for some reason my aloe plant is just um it's thriving so I take pieces of that aloe the gel inside the aloe plant and I've been putting it on my eye underneath washing my eye and the putting the aloe gel and the just the actual cooling of that gel has been great but what has happened is is it um over the past couple of days doing these things that I'll talk to you about, instead of being like sort of a big blob of red under my eye, it's actually focused and concentrating and I can actually see what's inside coming to the surface. Not that I'm sure you want to hear that around the breakfast table, but you know what? It it is what it is. Um, I also have been using wet tea bags and that's been really nice. Either green tea that I have or I soak some black tea bags. Actually, I've had to, I made some kombucha, so I used some of the black tea bags from there and just soaked it on my eye. Leave that on for about 15 minutes, take it off, wipe my eye, and throw the aloe back on. Um, I've used warm water compresses, so that that actually feels quite nice. The only issue with the warm water compresses is that they don't stay warm for too long, so I've kind of been more focusing on the first two. Um, I also made a turmeric turmeric paste with some coconut oil, and uh, turmeric, as you know, is very anti-inflammatory. So I I make the paste, I put it under my eye, leave it on for about 15 minutes and take it off. But what happens with that little gem is I'll now my eye is orange underneath. So I've had to stop that because as I said, I'm going downtown for dinner tonight. So, um, I'm really focusing on the first two. And the other thing that I did was, um, I'm not putting any makeup on around my eye and, um, I'm, I threw out my, my old mascara because the old mascara can be a harbinger of, uh, bacteria. So I've done those things. I think it's getting better. It's not getting worse. So, um, hopefully by another few days, everything will be taken care of. So that's my, my plight for the last few days. So I hope that helps some of you. Um, Our guest today is Maria Fay. She has been a board-certified music therapist since 1995, a licensed social worker since 2000, a fellow of the Association for Music and Imagery since 2004, and a licensed creative arts therapist since 2006. Maria has 10 years experience working in mental health and 11 years experience as the coordinator and supervisor of the music therapy clinic and adjunct faculty in Marywood University. She has over 17 years experience supervising music therapy pre internship and internship students through Marywood University. Maria has served on the Mid-Atlantic Region Executive Board for six years as government relations chair, working closely with the American Music Therapy Association and the Certification Board of Music Therapists on the state recognition operational plan working to get music therapy and the MTBC credential recognized in the, in individual states. She has led and participated in music therapy hill days, hearings, advocacy trainings and meetings with state legislators and state agency officials. In 2015, Maria was hired part-time as a government relations specialist. For the American Music Therapy Association, implementing the AMTA and CBMT state recognition plan. This topic is actually um, one that I'm very interested in working with um People who have PTSD, especially cancer patients. That um, you know, cancer patients can get PTSD after a diagnosis, going through therapy. Music therapy is one of the therapies that, um, although it's very hard to find in our area, I haven't come in contact with a music therapist yet. For my area, it is one of the therapies that is is very much recommended for for stress related uh, illnesses and diseases. So I'm very interested in finding out more about this topic from. Marie So our learning points today will be, what is music therapy? Who can use music therapy? Is there a science supporting the efficacy of music therapy? And that's an important one because, you know, we try and base everything we do here in science. So we will be back to talk to Maria in a few minutes.
2: I got a homesick heart, but a long ways left to go. I've been doing my part, but I ain't got much to show. So I'm asking you to show me some forgiveness. It's all for you in my pursuit of happiness. Chasing that life, moving on, cause I had to prove. There ain't no life worth doing what I did to you you to show me some forgiveness it's all for you in my pursuit of happiness
0: to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Our show is live today. You can call in at 416-245-1534. If you would like to speak to Maria, myself, or Alex, or Daniel, give us a call. Maria, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Thank you for taking the time. It's um, it's a very interesting topic, and i uh, I know you've been doing this for quite a while, but it's really not um, a therapy I don't think that a lot of people turn to. Um, Maybe you can just start off with what exactly music therapy is.
3: Sure. Um, Music therapy is relatively uh, a newer field. We began in the 1940s officially, but even though using music and healing um, actually started much, much earlier, but I'll give you the official uh, definition of what music therapy is. It's the clinical and evidence-based use of music interventions to accomplish individualized goals within a therapeutic relationship by a credentialed professional um, who has completed an approved music therapy program. Um, to put that in layman's term, what that means is um, we're all kind of familiar with music uh, education uh, as we uh You go to school and learn about music, we're kind of uh, learning a product. We're learning to perform. We're learning to uh, learn an instrument. In music therapy, we're more concerned about the process So, uh, to achieve non-musical goals. Um, So, for instance, a child who has autism, um, one of their needs uh, may be difficulty communicating or interacting socially. So what we do is we use music to kind of achieve some of those non-musical goals. Uh, some of what we can do also can be musical goals, but um, we use music as a tool to kind of develop some of those skills.
1: How did you get involved in, in this line of uh, therapy?
3: Um, you know, uh, it's a typical, uh, a typical answer. Uh, when I was thinking about what to go to school for, I really loved music. Um, I really uh, felt I had a calling to, to help people, um, and it kind of was just that magic field where those two things kind of really uh, fit uh, together. You know, and I've seen some of the things uh, in my life. Um, I have a nephew that has autism um, and various things. And you could see how music uh, could really help um, individuals.
1: So maybe we'll start with the science that, you know, um, the research that's been done to to sort of lay the groundwork here for what we're going to Launch pad into for the rest of the show what what science what evidence have you um, have you been have you looked at as far as underlaying what you do for for music therapy
3: um, so like I was saying earlier, music has been used uh, almost probably since the beginning of time um, you know there's even some uh, recent articles that I've read that even suggest that you know how we have um, how we have grown uh, as, as a, a human, humans, we have actually music played a very important part of that. Music was important in connecting uh, those uh, individuals to each other um, and bonding with each other and giving a means of expression. Um, even Greeks, uh, Aristotle and, uh, and them, would use music and different modes of music to express different emotions uh, shamans in the old cultures would use music, um, like that. Uh, in the Bible, David Palm saw the harp. Um, now it wasn't until the 1940s after World War I and World War II when uh, veterans were coming back from the wars that uh, they were looking for things, uh, to help the veterans in the hospitals. And so they, um, saw that music really started to help them. Um, so that's when music therapy kind of started to be formalized in the 1940s. Um, in the 1950s, there was a music therapy program that started. The first in the world which was at Mich- Michigan State University. Um, so we are a new field. Um, we do have research journals. We have, uh, in America, we have the Journal of Music Therapy. Um, we have music therapy perspectives. So we have a great uh, wealth of knowledge. Um, within those journals, as well as in other journals um, in other fields too that show the efficacy of music um, and and how uh, it helps various populations
1: are you uh, is this a university program, or do people coming through a music degree go off and specialize in music therapy? How does one become a music therapist
3: yes, so um, you in, in the United States, uh, the bachelor's level is the entry level into the profession. So you will go to a university. You will major in music um, because that's the tool that you're using. Um, you major in music, um, and you get a music degree. But you also take courses such as uh, special ed and abnormal psychology um, and intro to psychology Uh, you take um, your core music therapy courses, um, psychosocial foundation of music, uh, music and therapy. And uh, if you do not know how to play piano, you need to learn how to play piano. You need to learn how to play guitar. You need to be familiar with percussion and play percussion and voice. Those are the primary instruments that we use um, in our field. So if that's something that you don't know, that is something that you will have to learn. Um, You do 1,200 clinical hours between the undergraduate and a six-month internship um, after the four-year degree. After you uh, complete 1,200 clinical hours, that makes you eligible to sit for a board certification exam. Uh, Once you uh, pass the board certification exam, you are granted the title Music Therapist Board Certified, NTBC. In Canada, I think it's um, MTA, Music Therapist Accredited, if I'm, if I'm accurate. Um, so it's a pretty intense and a pretty rigorous uh, course of study.
1: It absolutely is. I had no idea about that. It's probably why there aren't a lot of music therapists around, especially if it's new and it's that intensive. It's not just a, 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 you know, a weekend trying to figure out how to, how to relate to somebody. This is very intense.
3: Exactly. Exactly. In the undergraduate, you are exposed. We are a very broad field, Um, so you're exposed to all the different populations that you could potentially be working with. And we work with, um, we say cradle to grave, but it's almost kind of pre-cradle, with expectant mothers, uh, all the way to hospice and everything in between. So, you know, children with developmental disabilities, uh, people with um, addictions um, hospice, um, mental health, um, with the elderly. So we get exposed to that all at an undergraduate level. And then as you go along in your career, you'll begin to specialize in one of them.
1: I was just going to ask, so you, w- with the number of, of different avenues you can go down, you do specialize after you come out of school? You, you pick the, um, area? Yeah. So then you would have to, yeah. um, my my thought would be that you would have to have, as well as the music therapy certification, if you were going into a specialty with, um, say, autistic children, like you mentioned earlier, you would probably have to have, uh, I could be wrong about this, but you'd probably have to have a fairly good working knowledge of that disease.
3: Absolutely. Yep.
1: Interesting. Yes. Now, are you a regulated
3: association? Uh. W- so our profession is not really regulated we, in the states we have um, three we have nine states that currently uh, have state recognition so we have a national certification which um, you know is national but as we've gone uh, through it in our career we've noticed that we are not recognized individually in the states so uh, as the music therapy association and the certification board of music therapy what we are trying to do is go back into the individual states and try to get music therapy recognized in individual states. So currently in the states, we have nine states that have a state recognition, Connecticut, Georgia, Nevada, uh, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Oregon, Rhode Island, Utah, and Wisconsin. And they are at various levels of recognition. Uh, Some of them are licenses. uh, Some of them are registries. Some of them are certifications. Um, So um, you're working on it, I guess. It's a
1: work in progress.
3: It is. Yes. This year we have uh, probably over 14 to 20 um, states that are going to introduce legislation for music therapy. Is music therapy,
1: um, are are you referred to by doctors? Is this something that's kind of gaining ground? Because it's not, you know, I don't often hear of music. I I know of it personally because I, I it's sort of part of one of the 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 referrals that i if i had a person to do it to i would but um music therapy isn't wouldn't be the first go to for many people because it's not very well known so who is referring to you
3: um various people so uh doctors definitely refer to us uh caseworkers case managers um other Other therapies, uh, speech therapy or occupational or physical therapy, Um, sometimes they'll find that clients will plateau or they kind of are at a standstill with progress. What they'll often do is they'll often refer to music therapists to kind of get over that plateau um, or to help, um, you know, progress in their treatment. So we work very collaboratively uh, with all of the other um, professions. Uh, We're part of a treatment team. Uh, and we treat. So it's not a a field that stands alone. Uh, We collaborate and we work together with all other professions.
1: So what is the aim of music therapy?
3: It depends on the uh, population that you're working with. It depends on the individual client that you're working with. So the individual clients would have different goals, but there's some general overall um, goals depending on the uh, population that you're working with. So, for instance, a, a child with autism, uh, you want overall wellness, uh, not necessarily secure, um, but you want uh, better wellness for them. So uh, a child with autism who has either difficulty speaking or doesn't speak, using music to kind of help, um, you know, develop some kind of communication, uh, using music to help increase socializing and socialization, Um, just a a overall wellness in the clients.
1: And this is uh, music therapy, as you said, goes from cradle to grave, but is there more of a focus? Is this more applicable to younger children, or do you find that it actually is good for all ages?
3: It is good for all ages. Uh, Music is for all ages. Um, You know, if we stop and think about as we stop and think about uh, how we use music on uh, our day, and even throughout your development. Um, you know, as children, we learned our alphabet uh, singing, uh, the alphabet song. Uh, we learned uh, other skills as children by learning. We even, you know, wash our hands to know how, and sing a song to know how long to, uh, to wash our hands. So um, as children, we do that you know as you as you get older we use music in different ways when you're children you start to maybe learn to play an instrument um as you're getting even you know older you're singing in choirs uh, so i think that music kind of transcends all um all of that and right. and you can work yep
1: no go ahead finish your thought yes
3: yeah. uh so you know you can use music to address at any level at any age Somebody with Alzheimer's, um, you know, sometimes they will uh, not remember names of family members. But since music access is a different part of the brain, um, they will remember words to a whole song that they may have known when they were in their 20s.
1: That's funny. Uh, Just before we go to break here, I actually do. You just brought to mind, um, I think it was a YouTube video I saw a while back where there was an elderly gentleman who was, nonverbal, not communicating and they gave him earphones with music from his I think it was jazz music that he grew up with and he started singing um along to the music so uh, I I did see that it just put me in mind of that but when we get back from our break I really want to go into more specifics and and maybe walk through um some types of sessions that you would do with everyone so we'll be back in a few minutes everybody
2: Speak a job, job. So that I see you all the time.
0: The health hub here on radio maria canada a catholic voice wherever you are to contact us and be a part of the show please call 416-245-1534 we now continue with the program here once again is your host kathy
1: Biasi. Welcome back everybody. Our show is live. Again, you can call us four one six-245-1534. And do give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC. And our email address is thh at radiomaria.ca. So Maria, let's get into some of the fun stuff. You know, um, music does it does take you to different places when i was a kid i played the guitar and and if i was upset i'd play one song if i was happy i'd play another song the music that uh, daniel just put on there you know makes me bop on my seat how do you choose your mode of music your do you do you do when you're with somebody what makes you choose between say a vocal or a particular instrument how do you figure that out
3: uh, it depends on the setting that we're in. But the the biggest thing is uh, client-preferred music, um, which is key. So we're constantly looking to see uh, what is what the client is responding to um, and why they're responding to it and what they're responding to. Um, so, um, for instance, uh, I'll give a story of when I was uh, working in mental health. Uh, I was working in a group setting and there was one client um, who had a borderline personality disorder so she sat outside separate from the group totally um, and didn't join our our circle and so we would do our groups uh and she would not participate or engage uh, after one of the class uh one of our sessions she came up to me and had mentioned a country song called learning to live again and so I went and I uh, listened to the song and thought this would be a great song to do a song and lyric analysis with the group uh, and brought it to the group next, the following week. And it was about learning how to live again after going through a divorce, which the clients very much uh, responded to uh, because they were, they were often learning to live again after they would have um, you know, a, a psychological uh, break. Um, So they were kind of constantly trying to live again. So they easily related to that song. Uh, So that client who sat outside the group then joined the group and started um, engaging in the process and interacting um, with the group. So that was a client-preferred song that she can relate to. Um, She saw how the rest of the group members related to it. She began relating to them. Um, So very much uh, it's client-preferred, whether it's, pre-recorded music or whether it is uh, improvisation in a a session with a child with autism, Um, you know, children with autism are um, very sensory sensitive. And so uh, we're constantly watching to see are there any sounds that are uh, disturbing to them? Are there sounds that they're really attracted to? And if they are, we incorporate those songs, even with client-preferred music or modes or Styles uh, that they enjoy to um, to achieve the goals that we have. Uh, We're a very strength-based profession, um, so capitalizing on client strengths and preferences.
1: So, you know, when I I was doing a little bit of research before this, there are certain tones that strike, you know, that make brain waves do different things. Are you, do you get into stuff like that? Or are you just, not just, are you just going into these sessions open-minded and, you know, maybe bringing many different uh, instruments and, and getting feedback from them? Or do you have a protocol that you follow with different sets of people that you're going to see?
3: Um, so, You know, some music therapists may um, get into some of the different sounds and the effects of the different sounds, um, and they may incorporate that into their practice. Uh, As music therapists, what we will do is, as a client comes to see us, we will assess them, and we assess them on many different levels. So we assess their social and emotional um, behaviors and where they are, We assess their motor uh, skills, their communication skills, pre-academic and um, academic skills, uh, social skills, um, all those types of things. And then we assess that through music as much as we can, especially if they're younger students or younger clients. Um, And then uh, we create a treatment plan based on that. and then how many so, how many times then, a
1: week would you see these these uh, people?
3: depends on the uh, the um, setting that you're in, so generally probably about once a week um, depending on the setting
1: are most of them group settings or do you find yourself doing more individual one on one work
3: uh, group and individual uh, so a child say that has autism uh, who cannot uh, tolerate being in a group, Uh, we'll probably have individual sessions at first, and then we will eventually try to transition them into a group setting to um, develop more cognitive skills. It also depends on the uh, approach that you use in music therapy. So um, there's an approach in music therapy called the Bonnie Method of Guided Imagery and Music, and that is primarily uh, an individual uh, music therapy approach. Uh, some lend itself to more individual and some group.
1: What is your specialty?
3: Uh, I had 10 years in mental health, and I worked um, many years working with autism and developmental disabilities as well. So I did a partial hospitalization uh, setting and uh, outpatient setting uh, in mental health, and then um, groups and individuals with uh, people, children and adults with developmental disabilities
1: and are you fluctuating back and forth or have you moved on to the the one area in, in uh, mental health?
3: Um, primarily um, working with individuals with uh, developmental disabilities
1: okay and where in the scope of music therapy do you find there's the greatest opportunity for impact of music therapy?
3: Oh uh, I would I, I would say any, <laughs> but um, the biggest ones right now are uh, addictions. Um, uh, working in addictions, I would say working in hospice um, and working with autism. I think those are the three big areas currently.
1: Addictions an and interesting one. Uh, post trauma you know, the mental post traumatic stress is is um, is intuitive to me. But if someone has an addiction, what are you trying to achieve with music therapy?
3: Um, So if somebody has an addiction, um, we use uh, re-educative music therapy practices, which is more insight and process-oriented music therapy. So we might do things like um, song and lyric analysis. We might do songwriting. Um, We might... um, do uh, improvisation using improvisation, and what you are trying to do is to um, either teach them skills through uh, music, whether that be through song and lyric analysis, um, or you might um, want to. Uh, the Bonnie method of guided imagery is a is a technique that you the there's a belief that you have within you the power to kind of heal yourself. So you have the insights and the knowing within yourself um, to uh, heal. And so you use uh, pre-recorded, uh, primarily classical music, um, to match the client where they are, and you um, use the music as uh, an imaginative kind of process where they are. Um, they are um, listening to the music and creating imagery. Uh, like a waking dream. And so they uh, have insights and knowings um, as to how to heal and how to um, move forward in their process. Do you find...
1: Now, you you mentioned music writing. I want to go back to that. So you actually... That's another aspect of music therapy is is having the people you're working with write their own music?
3: Uh, We help them. (laughs) Interesting. uh, uh, Yeah, as a... uh, a client, you know, it might be a misconception that you have to have some kind of a musical skill. You do not. Um, As a music therapist, it's our job to kind of help them. It's our job to, um, uh, they come up with words and then we kind of create music to um, match uh, the music that they're creating. And we get them to play and, and to play along with the music. So we know different ways about um, how to use different instruments to help them um, co-create in the process and um, co-participate in the process, because that's a very important piece as well.
1: So would you ever teach somebody how to play an instrument?
3: That could be one of the uh, goals, yep. So uh, when I was working in mental health, uh, we would have what was called an ORF uh, music therapy group, where... We would uh, use ORF instruments, which are like uh, xylophones and metallophones and drums and percussion instruments, and we would um, would create uh, music from either Elvis or um, uh, whatever contemporary song that they wanted to learn, and they would actually play uh, the music. We would teach them on those instruments um, how to play it, and that became a great social outlet for them. they were dealing with negative effects of their mental illnesses, uh, where sometimes they were hallucinating or sometimes they would socially isolate and withdrawn. And this would be an opportunity for them to create music. We're teaching them and they're interacting with one another, uh, getting pride in what they're, um, uh, producing and playing, um, and, uh, you know, developing from there. So yeah, you will, uh, you can teach them, and that could be part of their therapeutic process.
1: You you talked about one misconception with music therapy. So I'd I'd like to get uh, a broader picture of some misconceptions. You know, when someone walks into um, one of your therapy sessions, or somebody is considering music therapy for either themselves or, or for a loved one, what are you often asked that you have to correct when it comes to what people's preconceptions or misconceptions of music therapy is?
3: Um, I think one of them is that it looks easy. Like what we, what we do, it looks easy, and we get a great response uh, from clients. So I think often uh, people think that it's easy to do um, and that um, it's, it's easy to kind of get a response. Uh, but what they don't see is the rigorous training Uh, that we have to get to that point. Um, I think one misconception is that all music is good, and that's not true. Uh, What could be helpful and beneficial to you may not be helpful and beneficial to me. It's not a one-size-fits-all. So, you know, just putting on, like, a prescriptive uh, headphones with uh, music that you think might help a client uh, mes- not, might not necessarily be what works for that particular client. It doesn't work for everybody. Um, I think those are two uh, two, two big uh, misconceptions. I- um, and, the, and, and then also that um, anybody can do music therapy. Uh, I think that anybody can use music. Uh, absolutely, it can benefit anybody. Um, but uh music therapy is a is a specialized training that people receive
1: I think it'd be very interesting to to go to a session because i you know my my first knee jerk thought was. You, you go to a therapy session and it's calm music and maybe some tambourines that people can try and get a, the rhythm to. But obviously, um, not only is it far more in depth than that, you have to be really uh, thinking on your feet when you're going into a group of people. That must be a challenge because, you know, you're, you're dealing with completely different people with completely different musical preferences how do you find the middle ground? What, maybe you could walk us through a session when you're walking into, say, a group of five people that you um, are meeting for the first time.
3: Right. Um, so uh, say it would be uh, working with uh, the elderly. And so you walk into a session, and um, one of the first things that we do is we, we'll do some kind of a warm-up song, um, whether that would be a welcoming song or some kind of a gathering song. Um, and what that does is it, um, a, it really starts to bring all of the group members together. Um, as a music therapist, we're constantly assessing. So we're seeing how they're reacting. We're seeing how they're reacting to each other. Um, and a lot of times you will do a gathering or a welcoming song where you can assess what's happening. Um, so that's we always begin with that. Um, with the elderly, we might start with something uh, doing some movement and music, um, just to kind of getting them up and getting them active or moving. Um, if they're in wheelchairs, just uh, moving. Um, again, that will uh, activate the brain, activate their bodies. Um, you can assess how they are with motor um, and movement and what they might need with that. Um, you might um, have a theme, uh, say it's uh, we're getting into the Christmas season, say it's a Christmas theme, and we can do some reality orientation things um, about the seasons um, and about Christmas and sing songs that might be related to them and getting them talking about what is um, current reality orientation. Um, you might, they, somebody might suggest a song from their childhood. So you sing a, ch- a song from their childhood and you help them reminisce and discuss um, memories that they might have had and feelings that they might have had um, with that um, uh, so then um, you ha- have a session somewhat like that, and then you uh, you'll do a closing of some sort uh, uh, yeah so, so so we try to uh, address main areas like uh, socialization. Um, uh, Emotional needs or issues that they might have, um, uh, motor skills, uh, cognitive skills, all those. We try to hit some of those in every session.
1: So the objective. Is the objective in each session to open people up for other therapists, or are you trained to, so if someone has an emotional reaction to a song, are you stopping the music therapy and discussing their reaction to the song, or are you specifically going in to change the mood of the group and then someone else is coming in behind you to to take it from there. Because here's what my train of thought as you were talking, my dad is in a home and he had every Tuesday, I think a man come and they'd sit in a group and they each had like a very simple instrument, a tambourine, and he'd play his guitar. And it was such a very happy for, for all of them to do this. It was a nice break in the day, but then that was him done. And in, you know, after his hour and it was a wonderful hour and they sang, but that was, I mean, I don't think he would be what you would call a music therapist. He was going in to bring joy. So as a therapist, what's your next level when after the music is, is over?
3: Yes, yeah, so we would definitely address those things in the session. Um, so if somebody were to have gotten upset by one of the songs, uh, music therapists are definitely trained uh, to be able to deal with that and to, to contain it um, to... Um, you know, deal with it um, uh, and have some kind of resolution to it. Um, Oftentimes, uh, especially in hospice settings, there'll be uh, musicians that come in um, and not really knowing and understanding the process, and they might open up uh, a client but not have the tools or the skills how to deal with it um if a music therapist is on staff then they can come in um and deal with that and kind of put some resolution to it.
1: Yeah, I think that's an important point to bring out because mm-hmm. you, you you have the potential to evoke very strong emotions. So you want to have Absolutely. the tools. You want to have the tools Absolutely. to deal with those emotions. Where have you found Absolutely. your greatest success, your greatest gratification? Has it been within a particular uh, health setting, a particular client, or, or can you actually pull out a particular um, time where you were, you got the most gratification from what you were doing?
3: I think there's two very different examples. Um, one is uh, the Vonnie method of guided imagery is a technique that I like uh, very much. Um, that's a technique that is definitely a more psychodynamic uh, technique um, and a more cathartic, a catharsis-oriented um, technique. So this technique is not used for a lot of um, – it, it's, it's only for specific types of clients. Um, so this is a, a technique that you are able to really um, get into some really deep work um, and have some catharsis and have some resolution and insight into it. Um, that is one that personally I really uh, enjoy doing. Uh, another one is uh, when working with uh, children, uh, I remember a client that I had, he would come to me after school, and he had autism. His parents uh, brought him to me and said, we almost didn't bring him here today because, he was so upset. He had such a bad day at school. Um, he spent most of the day not even in the classroom. Um, he was upset. Uh, so we were very close to not taking him here today. Um, so when he came into the session, we came in and had um, very. At the, we, I met him exactly where he was. He was upset. He wasn't happy. Um, and so I took one of his favorite songs and we changed the word to it. And we sang about his day at school. We sang about what kind of day he had at school. Um, um, we created words on the spot. And he played it and we sang it. And by the time we were finished, I would say within the first 10, 15 minutes of the session, he was completely changed um, and very, very different. Um, at the end of the session, um, I you know, t- brought him back to his parents. And his mother visibly saw the difference and said, I really wish they had a music therapist in the school. Like, how, how great would that be if when he gets upset, he could go and do that, and then he could come back and he could be in his classroom and function better um, instead of having it go the whole day. Um, I like so I song. think music definitely has the ability to do that.
1: The power to heal. I totally agree with you. Now, if people wanted to look further, I'm going to have to do a little bit of research into music therapists in Canada, and I will um, definitely have that put up on the Facebook page. And uh, if you give us a couple of days, I will have researched that. So if you're interested, I will, uh, you can email us at thh at radiomaria.ca and I will give you some contact, unless you, Maria, know offhand right now um, where people could go in Canada. Uh, If you have that information, that'd be great for you to share. But if not, um, the the relevant places where we can go and check out uh, music therapy and your work, if you could give us that.
3: Absolutely. There is a, a website in Canada. And it's um, it's the Canadian Association of Music Therapists. Thank you. So if you Google that, that will take you right uh, to their website. Um, and there is all kinds of contact information there that you can contact um, folks in Canada and they will connect you. You have five universities in uh, Canada that um, train music therapists. Oh, well, and there the you go. Thank music, you. Yep. Yeah, and the Canadian music therapists use uh, our board certification exam um, to count towards their uh, toward their degree.
1: And what about you? If someone wanted to get in contact with you, how would they do that?
3: Sure, they can reach me at um, Maria Fay M A R I A F S and Frank A Y at musictherapies.org. dot org.
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting, and. Um Definitely something I'm going to look, look into myself, see if we can get somebody to, uh, to be a little bit more familiar with our clinic. But I think what you do is wonderful, and I really appreciate you taking the time out today to talk to us about it and broaden people's understanding of music therapy and and give uh, another tool that we can use in, uh, in our path to health. Everybody, um, thank you very much for joining us, and we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub.